This is the iRacers Lounge, featuring the latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and more. Now here's Alan Fajari and Mike Ellis. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am Alan Pajari. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we would talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. With me is Mike Ellis, Jose Pabon, Matt Boley, and Carlos Finseca. Welcome, gentlemen, to the first episode of the iRacers Lounge. Very cool. Thanks for having us. All right. Today, we're going to meet the panel for the show, and we're going to introduce ourselves a little bit. And we'll talk about the NASCAR iRacing series, both the open and the fixed series. We're going to talk about the Road Warriors series, and then anything else that comes up with, with our group here. So let me start off with myself. I started off in iRacing in December of 2013. Um, it happened after I was watching Kevin O'Keefe's videos on YouTube, and his uh, channel's called Rutgers Kev. And I was watching his 2013 NIS fixed season. And from then on, I was pretty much hooked. At the time, I was I was searching around for mods for the NASCAR Racing 2003 uh, uh, racing simulation, and because that was the really the last one that I owned, and and I still enjoyed it. And I was looking around for mods, and I came across Kevin's channel, and. Uh, you know, I saw that, and I was—I knew that was exactly what I was looking for, because that's what I was doing on NASCAR 2003. I was running those half-distance NASCAR races, and that's what I was really enjoying. And, but I started sim racing actually around the mid uh, '90s uh, with the first uh, Papyrus games, with and uh, so I already kind of had a wheel and a pedal set. Uh, it's a Thrustmaster uh, NASCAR Digital Two. So it didn't have any force feedback or anything like that. And it was just a real kind of outdated. And so, but that's what I started off on. So I started off racing those street stocks on, on that thing where I couldn't feel anything. And, uh, but I'm one of those guys who fast tracked my way to the A license real quick. I used the time trials. I raced safe. I stayed in the back all the time. I just made sure I got the 4.0 and did my minimum participation I needed to do for each class. And I got up to A real quick. Uh, one of the reasons for that was because I wanted to make sure that I can race those NIS races that start in February and I only joined in December. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, when I look back on it, I feel kind of bad about it. I did it that way. I wish I would have took more time in the lower classes and uh, try to actually get good. but. It was fun racing the NIS races last year. So I did that, and I, a little bit later on, I decided to get into the road racing stuff. I never raced road racing stuff on any simulation before, but uh, I, I thought it looked kind of fun, and so I, I did that, but I also did the same thing. I fast-tracked my way all the way through. That's because there was a certain series I wanted to run, and uh, and then they end up switching it and they went to GT3 before I can run that series. And so I had to make sure I had a, at least a B license to be able to run that GT3 series. So I made sure that I, I, I uh, fast-tracked my way up. Um, I got my first win in the Pontiac Solstice on the roadside. 
there were only two other Soltis in this multi-class race that I was in, and the other two wrecked out, and so I got my first first win. Uh, my first oval uh, win came in, in Daytona in the Xfinity car, in the B-class, where I started on the pole, and I led all 30 laps of the race. And uh, so I only have four wins at this time right now in the oval side, and three of them came at Daytona. So I must be one of those drivers who gets lucky enough to to win those uh, plate track races. Um, my most memorable moment for me actually came when I won the NIS fixed race in the July Daytona race, and uh, that was a, that was a lot of fun. I had a, a lot of help from um, from Keith Dunn who was uh, right behind me for the last 33 laps of the race. He never tried to pass me. He just stuck on my tail, and uh, and that worked out real well, and I was real happy about it. Uh, my equipment I use, uh, right now I have a Logitech Driving Force GT. I really enjoy it. It's, it's not the most expensive wheel around. I think it cost me around $150 but it has a lot of uh, buttons that I like to use. So I can map all sorts of different things out. I did buy some uh, shifter paddles to put on it for road racing and, and uh, they, I think they have helped me out a little bit. Otherwise those, the Dreamforce GT has these little buttons that are kind of hard to shift with. Um, and then I bought new pedal set my probably my most expensive purchase of my equipment and it's the Fanatec CSR Elites and uh, I got it for the load cell break and uh, I, I, it took me a little bit to get used to it but uh, it's I think it's really kind of helped me on my driving and the style of driving I do. I normally run um, the NIS Fix Series. That's my main series I run. I try to make at least two races a week. Uh, sometimes I can only do one, but I normally try to do two races a week. And this year I started diving into a little bit into the NIS Open uh, Series. And uh, now with uh, with the team, it kind of helps to, with setups and everything else. It's, it makes that uh, series more interesting for me. Uh, last year I wasn't interested in it at all, but this year I become much more interested in it. I also normally run two different road series per season. And uh, right now I run the Skip Arbors and the, and the Blanc Plain Sprint Series. And uh, next season I'll probably run uh, something else with the Blanc Plain Sprint Series. So I normally kind of switch it up, but I, I normally run that uh, Blanc Plain Sprint Series since I enjoy driving the McLaren so much. Um, and then I also might throw some other races in there. Like for example, lately I ran a national race. Um, a couple seasons ago, I ran some late models, but otherwise, I I just pretty much stick to the NIS races and the and the two road. I am involved in a league, which is the Integrity uh, Racing League. Uh, last year, I joined and I ran the trucks season, which is their Saturday night um, series, and I finished second in that uh, in that series, and I was pretty pretty happy about that. I had some decent finishes, never won. Uh, it's a very competitive very competitive league, but uh, I was very happy that I was consistent and uh, finished second. This year I'm running in their Gen 6 series, which is our Monday night uh, cup schedule, uh, where we actually do follow the NASCAR schedule and uh, and 
this year I haven't had that much success. I kind of made some of my own mistakes and got involved in a few wrecks. And right now I'm sitting 11th in points, but still a long ways to go in the season. So, but uh, we've had a lot of good turnout for that. And that works out pretty well. Uh, another league I run in is the Old Bastards, and I run their Lotus 79 series, which is Friday during the daytime. And uh, I just enjoy that car a lot, but I don't necessarily enjoy it too much in the official uh, series because people get awfully aggressive. But uh, in the Old Bastards, it's a bunch of older guys like me. So uh, we kind of take it easy on ourselves and, uh, and uh, just try to uh, keep it clean. Um, and then during the NASCAR uh, off-season, I started a, a league last year called the Winter Fixed NIS, and uh, we had a lot of great turnout for that and had some great races, and it's only, it was only 10 races, and we'll be doing it again for uh, this coming up uh, winter and uh, have another 10 races, and, but that's a, that's been a lot of fun. It's been a good experience. So anyway, uh, that's a little bit about me. And uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, Alan. Uh, Mike Ellis here. I'm from uh, Gilbert, Arizona, 44 years old. Uh, got into iRacing. Uh, I, I think uh, I heard somebody in NASCAR was using iRacing, and that's how I heard about it. And uh, once I saw it, I immediately bought into the whole thing. I had a laptop. I bought a G27, 250 bucks for the wheel and uh took off and uh, now i've i'm running with a obato revolution rig three monitors a 27 inch uh, a fourth monitor that's touch off of another laptop uh for, that runs the iSpeed. speed uh, i got some tablets and iphones running uh, other things and uh quite a setup still running the original g27 uh really want new pedals I uh, started back in 2012 and uh, pretty much gravitated to the oval side. I uh, currently have 43 uh, career wins in official. Uh, that's roughly 3% of my overall starts. And uh, done some road stuff. Four of those wins are on road. I do have my A license in road. I don't consider myself a, a road driver. Uh, I rating currently 3170. And uh, active on the NIS series, uh, in a lot of things that Alan is in, uh, I race as well. Integrity, Integrity Racing League, I just started and uh, run some hosted stuff, uh, kind of random there. Uh, but the only official races you'll ever find me in are, is the NASCAR iRacing series, uh, both official and uh, open and fixed. But uh, I won't run A, B, and C. Uh, unless maybe if it's a restrictor plate uh, tracked, and sometimes I'll sneak over to the A, a open or A fixed and and steal a win. Uh, that's really my bread and butter is the restrictor plates. That's where uh, a lot of my wins came. Uh, last year in the uh, NIS series, I had a looks like f uh, five wins, and I believe all, all four of those were plate tracks. So that kind of tells you. Um, how I run over there. Uh, it seems like on these other tracks, like Richmond, which we just ran this morning, uh, I'm only good on new tires, and as soon as we get some laps on them, I'm, I slow up uh, usually more than everybody else. But uh, persevere and, and hang in there, and uh, really enjoying working with the team and the team environment uh, here at Team Tifosi. 
and uh, happy to be part of this broadcast and uh, this podcast and looking forward to covering all kinds of iRacing topics. Yeah, that's uh, one heck of a setup you got there, Mike. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. Hey, Matt, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I just want to say thanks, Alan and Mike, for putting this podcast on. And uh, my name is Matt Boley. I'm from Ontario, California, 22 years old. And I've been on iRacing since May of 2013. And I've been mainly on the oval side since I started. I'm starting to dip my feet more and more into the roadside. On the road side right now, I'm running the iRacing Global Challenge in the Cadillacs and then dipping into the Star Mazas as well. On the oval side, I've always been in the, the NASCAR cars from the trucks to the Xfinity cars and, and the Cup cars. Right now, my main focus is on the NIS series. I'm trying to stay from away from everything else for the meantime to get better and more comfortable in the car and get good finishes. Um... I found out about iRacing, uh, running through YouTube and came across a couple of videos like Alan, I think I came across Kevin O'Keefe's videos and I was hooked on it and I went out and had one of my buddies build me a computer and bought a G27 on eBay and I was racing within two weeks. So I've enjoyed it ever since and I just joined Team Tafosi Racing a couple weeks ago and I'm really enjoying that and I'm looking forward to the future. All right, happy to have you, Matt. Jose, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, my name is Jose Pabon. I live in uh, Jackson, New Jersey. Um, Kevin O'Keefe is actually a Jersey boy as well, and I have been introduced with him, not personally, but I've also seen him on YouTube. Um, not that he introduced me to iRacing. Uh, I came about iRacing via uh, Paparis, actually. I was a big fan of their prior uh, makings, uh, NASCAR 2003, um, the original NASCAR. Unfortunately, I never got a wheel to race in it and never got heavily involved because um, I was always into the multiplayer portion of it. I, I enjoy uh, competing and playing against real people instead of um, AI, per se. Um, even though NASCAR 2003... Uh, allowed multiplayer, uh, I was never able to find a, a good location uh, server-wise to, uh, to run in a big league or with a, a num large number of people. Um, after many years of playing a uh, multiplayer game uh, on World War II Online, uh, uh, which is based on World War II basically, um, I came across, uh, I guess, a video or something um, or just Googling and I came across iRacing and uh, as soon as I saw it, I decided to get into it and instantly fell in love with it. Um, eventually getting myself uh, steering wheel pedals, a G27, um, looking to upgrade. Uh, I just bought myself a rig uh, recently, the RS1 RC, um, extremely comfortable. Um, I've also extended my uh, viewing pleasure per se um, by going from one screen to a tri-screen or triple screen. Uh, I do use a fourth monitor as well, uh, connected to the computer um, for high speed or um, Z1 server or dashboard as they call it. Um, again, with other software as well um, that I might use such as uh, um, the iRacing uh, setup analyzer uh, that Mark Montanaro um, has uh, uh, supplied to us, uh, of course at a cost. Um, 
But yeah, uh, it's a competitive um, location. Uh, it's extremely fun. Um, at times, very frustrating. Uh, but uh, again, it, it keeps me busy, and that's what I enjoy. Very good, Jose. Uh, Carlos, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, sure, why not? Anyways, um, my whole start in iRacing started way back, pretty much in the early days, and well, from 2009. And uh, let's see. I didn't really do much road racing, but I did start off in what back then the rookie series was uh, Legends, I believe. And, you know, I hit, I touched road, you know, a little bit here and there. And I think I got one win in that, and then I quit that for a while. And, uh, let's see. Oh, I guess I shouldn't mention my age. I am 25 years old. I actually just turned 25 years old. And still enjoying iRacing. Probably my number one sim just for the fact the multiplayer is, well, awesome. And, uh, let's see, I race, mainly race, uh, NIS series like everyone else in here. And, uh, you know, actually probably the best series. Have have a lot of fun with all these people, all these good drivers, at least the ones we trust. And, uh, let's see, I don't even know where I came across iRacing or how I figured it out. I just kind of saw it and said, hmm, this looks interesting. Try it. And that was after playing NASCAR Racing 2003. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of iRacers come from there. And, uh, wow, there's really not much else to say about that. You know, I basically took a whole year off from 2012 from some issues, but came back 2013 and pretty much raced a lot since really there's nothing really much else to say about me but this has been carlos so we'll move on yeah carlos you you do actually something very interesting is that you actually race with a controller and uh you're very good with it at the controller and i also know that uh you uh race other other games too and uh and and you're you're pretty pretty good with that, I must say. I don't know. I seem to be struggling on GameStop car, but still. Yeah. So, uh, gentlemen, at the beginning of the year, we uh, or in the February, we started the NASCAR iRacing series at the Daytona 500. Now, as you know, iRacing got hacked. During the Saturday uh, afternoon or or morning for some people, um, during that race for the fixed race, and at the time, I racing didn't know exactly what was going on, and so what they did was they canceled the Daytona 500 uh, for this year of that, and uh, you know, I personally feel that at the time they probably had no choice on the matter. Um, it was kind of bad because I did have a, you know, a third place finish in the Saturday afternoon race. Um, but uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on uh Well, that's not quite all the story. You know, I, it was a DDoS attack is what the outcome was, which isn't necessarily hacked, but I was upset with the move to cancel the entire week's results because 
You know what? I ran 500 miles on Wednesday and had a great finish. And I ran 500 miles on Thursday night and had a great finish. And then Saturday comes along and all of a sudden those points are wiped off the face of the earth. So I was very unhappy with iRacing and I let them know it too. Uh, because you know what? We had some good finishes. They should have just canceled the results for that particular event on Saturday. Uh, probably would have been the best compromise. And and I think that, you know, iRacing here uh, in April, looking back at it, I probably would have done something differently. Yeah, they uh, yeah they probably should have just canceled that since it, uh, there was some other uh, races that went on and they could have raced the Sunday races. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of people, they lost out on their wins. They lost out on all those points that people got. Uh, the only thing that didn't change was our I rating and safety rating stuff. But uh, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed. Anyone else have any opinion on that? Anyways, it was very similar to what happened to the Indy 500 last year, I believe. Um, you know, it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday. One of those races, or it might have been Friday, he got canceled or something happened to the servers again and you know none of those was none of the other races were canceled after the saturday race still went off and that's the thing it's almost like uh you know iRacing is a sanctioning body much like nascar when they make those kind of decisions and we're as the drivers are looking for consistency and and uh, we knew how they handled the indy 500 fiasco last year uh and this year with the daytona 500 problems uh, they handled it differently, you know, and uh, I think that caught some people off guard. The other thing is, what about those drivers who were only going to run on Sunday night because they work on those other days or whatever? Uh, they didn't even get an opportunity to put points up. So uh, if you look at it that way, it might have been the right move after all. Yeah, yeah. I was actually one of those drivers that was going to race the Sunday race only because I had been busy that whole other week, but... You know, I was looking forward to the Daytona 500 for two months leading up into it, and then I find out Saturday night I'm not going to be able to race on Sunday because they canceled the rest of the races. Yeah, they probably should have just uh, allowed it to go on. You know, even if they did cancel the po points, they should have allowed the racing to go on. And actually, for the Indy 500 last year, what they did was they canceled that weekend, and about a month later, uh, they put on the Indy 500 again. I don't know if you guys recall, but everyone that that bought their new IndyCar uh, got some kind of credit because they weren't able to race that weekend. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. But my concern at that time actually was the Coca-Cola 600. We were running at the same exact time, and that was really the problem uh, back then was they opened both servers for the race at the same time, the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 on a Friday night, and all the servers went down. Yeah, especially yep. being that the Indy 500 is a huge event. Yeah, a lot of people put time in on setups and everything for that. Yep. Yeah, that was a, a major problem since it was a couple of uh, big-time races uh, going off at, uh, at the same time on Friday night. Um, but otherwise, uh, besides the 500, um, how do you think the racing's going for the rest of the season that we've had so far well just to close up that topic a little bit ddos attacks have continued uh i recall maybe two or three different times and they seem to be happening right when the nis uh series runs 
which is 7 p.m. Pacific for me. And uh, uh, real quick to wrap that up, you know, do you think that's an iRacer targeting iRacing or drivers that are running this particular series because of the timing of the DDoS attacks? I think on the timing, yes, I do. I, I think it's deliberate. I'm not sure if it's a, if it's an iRacer. Um, I have heard that someone knows who has done it, um, but uh, I do think it's definitely deliberate because of the timing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So, but yeah, the racing in general, um, you know, it's been crazy, and I guess it's just because we've been at the short tracks. Maybe, what do you think, Jose? Well, yeah, definitely because of the short tracks these last couple of weeks, uh, Bristol being one, Richmond this week, um, it has been extremely difficult to get around the tracks, especially with a lot of the racers that tend to be overly aggressive in the very beginning of the race. Um, there's a lot of young racers out there, um, people that are, are unaware, because I, I tend to hear people mention a lot that this is their first race in the NIS or they're very new to the NIS. I guess they're not realizing that when you're racing an NIS race, you're racing half the distance of a real NASCAR race. Um, we're racing 250 miles. Um, so in Bristol, you're racing 250 laps. It's a very long race, very tiring race. And people tend to become a little impatient. Um, because of this, of course, in the last couple of weeks, um, Yeah, I think it's been... Uh, uh, people have been getting frustrated. Uh, well, not only that, you have a whole yeah. other group of people now that iRacing is trying to cater to. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that that sprint mentality, though. Is we got that C-Fixed series that, you know, that they run every hour that, you know, it's only 30 laps and you have to go as fast as you possibly can every 30 laps. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, lose position. And people come from those races and they jump in these NIS races and they don't know how to take their time. They have to lead all the time. And and so, yeah, it's been crazy. But That's I think just it's actually, it. yeah, I think it's been from the start of the season, though. You know, I even the big tracks, I've seen this stuff at the big tracks. It's just like, you know, you you can't go fast all the time. You, you're going to lose control. We're not, you know, we're not all Kevin Harvick's out here. You know, you're going to lose control of your car. Now, granted, it, it's not all bad, like like, like it sounds. Um, there has been a lot of great racing today. At Richmond alone, we ran a good 80-plus laps of green flag run. Um, there are a lot of fast, extremely safe racers out there. Um, it's those few um, that tend to be a little bit too aggressive at times and need to learn, uh, sit back a little bit and uh, maybe learn from those that are, are ahead of them. And um, things should get better. But uh, for the time being on these short tracks, yeah, it's been tough. I'm hoping to uh, get to Talladega next week, which again, uh, even though Talladega tends to be a wreck fest at times, um, but it's a more open track and hopefully we'll get some more room to run. Yeah, hopefully, but I also see this this type of mentality on the roadside though too. You know, people are just you know they're they'll easily wreck out someone just to gain that position. You know, and it's because there doesn't seem to be to me any penalties for that type of racing. But 
Well, and, and I think you were you hit it on the head. There's a there's a couple different groups of drivers here. A lot of these NIS drivers that have run two and three seasons now, like myself, uh, they don't run those short races, and they don't run you know these little sprint races. And a lot of the newer people that you know have been brought in with uh, perhaps Steam uh, when they integrated with that Steam OS. Uh, there were a lot of new accounts opened at that time, and those kind of things and and like you said uh, these the c fixed you know they lead to it and it's all like a perfect storm and and one reason we're talking about this is uh there's a lot of talk on the forums the iRacing forums about this as well lots of discussion about why is this happening uh what has changed it, it seems different than last year uh the racing uh, it seems that we have more cautions. Heck, we should probably go look at the stats and, and just see if we can back that up with stats. Well, just for your Wednesday night race at Richmond, you guys had 15 cautions and, and people came out of that race. Um, and a lot of people said they were embarrassed because of that. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, and this was second split too. This is, you know, this is our quality drivers that are supposed to be in in here and they had 15 cautions in the, in 200 laps. What, what'd you guys run? 68 laps under a caution? It was, uh, 38% of the race was run under caution. When it like 77 laps. Yeah, I believe in the three of the Richmond races that I've been in this week, over 25% have been caution laps in all three races. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, that's just pretty high. But after saying all that, the NASCAR racing series is still my favorite series. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So I won't trade it. I won't, you know, do one of those. Uh, I won't race a series any anymore, like I have done for the for the fixed truck truck series. But uh, you know, so I I still enjoy it, even though. But you just you have to know how to race those type of races then. So it isn't one of those. Uh, type of things where you're aggressive with aggressive people but uh you you just i don't in my opinion you gotta know how to race those type of races and then you you just know that some people are going to uh make mistakes and another thing too is that the beauty part of the nis is that it's almost like a league because you pretty much race a lot of the same guys all the time since they split it up by i rating and there's 300 plus people that join up for the server and so you pretty much are in that same group of people all the time. So you, you kind of know who you can race with, you know, and you know guys who would who would back off a little bit. You know who who you can run side by side, and you also kind of know who you can't. So that's one of the nice things about the NIS. Yeah, and the NIS, I'll say, is I call it the premier series of iRacing. And it's really based on sheer numbers. If you look at how many people participate uh, on a regular basis uh, throughout the 36-week season. And that's the other thing that's different from all the other official racing and iRacing is the 36-week length. Uh, I think if you can do well in the points in a 36-week environment, boy, that really says something. Yeah, I think it really takes a a well-rounded driver to show up every week for 36 weeks of these tracks going from everything from super speedways and high banks to these mile and a half to these short tracks like Richmond and Bristol. And even road course, so. Right, and road course is thrown into the mix as well. Yep, but, uh, you know, after uh, the race that uh, Mike was in on Wednesday, 
uh, there was a driver named Hoyt Smith who uh, post, posted on the forums that he's selling his whole rig and because he was he was he was done with it he didn't want to race anymore and here's a guy that uh, I saw race a lot and uh, he was pretty much in almost all the open and fixed races so I know he was he was out there a lot must have really enjoyed it and then he got to the point where he just like that's it I'm done I quit you know so what do you guys think about that rage quit type of thing well, when setups and stuff keep changing, you know, you can't really please everyone in the fixed side of things, at least. And, you know, just everyone's mentality of racing is just, I don't know, it's been weird compared to last year. I personally think he's going to regret it in a couple of weeks. Well, I heard it's not the first time he's rage quit and, and sold his entire rig, but he had some really nice stuff uh, for sale. And apparently somebody bought the whole lot at, all at once, like within minutes. Uh, so it might have worked out for him, and, and he'll get new equipment out of it. But, uh, you know, Hoyt, I think he was doing really good in points, too, uh, somewhere ahead of me, actually. Yeah, he's, he's actually a fine driver. He's one of those guys that you knew was going to be up front at the end of the race, too. And so, um, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised about this. But do you think it's possible that he really didn't quit, and he's the one who bought all of his equipment? <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's trying to make a point, and it all comes back to how, you know, the, the topic we were talking, the aggressive racing. Uh, there's a lot of talk on the forums about it. I, I pulled a quote from somebody that we all know, Mark Montaneri, who uh, Jose mentioned earlier, does the setup analyzer software. Uh, here's what he said about it. I have to say that it was the most aggressive race I've ever been in. These guys were racing too hard for their setups and too hard for the lap number. I just don't get it. But I will say that it forced me to drive harder as well just to defend. As such, I got dumped around lap 50. But I find myself racing harder and driving deeper into the corner just so I don't get run over by these guys. True, true. But, you know, for me, I would actually took a different approach than what Mark does. And that's because that's my personal driving style is that I would let these guys go and hopefully they would wreck themselves out. You know, for example, in today's Richmond race, I I have to admit we we ran a lot of uh, green flag uh, laps, as Jose mentioned before, and I started getting a little worried that my strategy isn't going to work. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I might have to uh, you know start racing hard here before the end. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's just like I mentioned before. You got to know how to race with the these type of races. It's actually a lot of it is a luck of the draw because speaking of that Richmond race, um, when we were in the green flag run part of it, I was able to gain a lot of positions. I found myself eventually in the top 10th position, P8, um, with about 40 or 50 laps to go um, before when we, had, we had a caution. Once that caution came out and I got caught on the outside, I, I lost a good six to seven positions of course, ending the race in P15. Now, if that caution would not have come out, it would have, been, it would have ended a little differently for me. Unfortunately, with the caution coming out, and um, it, it, it really affected the way the outcome of my race uh, today uh, was. Yeah, and, uh, but anyway, they also have something new this year. They, uh, I forgot how many um, full race 
full uh, say full lap races that we had last year. I know we had uh, the Charlotte race, the Coke uh, 600. We had the Daytona 500, and I believe the last one of the year in Homestead. Talladega was a full. Yeah, I think so. The Glen. Yeah, the Glen. The Glen was a full one. This year we're going to have six, and uh, you know, for me personally, you know, these full-length races are the ones that I look forward to the most. Um, what do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, I look forward to the full distance races because, you know, we run these half distance races week in and week out and they're long as it is and you really got to take care of your stuff. But then we get into these full distance races and it's it's double the race that we're doing every week. And then taking care of your equipment and driving clean comes into play that much more when the races are that long. Yep. Yeah, I love the strategy of the longer races. It's, to me, that's just a lot of fun. You know that Coke 600 can can get quite late, especially if you're racing during the evening time. It can get quite late, but I just love that strategy. What I like about it is, if you win it, man, the prestige of winning or even just running well in that race. Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to those races to the for the rest of the year. Of course, I'm looking forward to uh, the plate tracks. Uh, since I I think I do okay on them, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to the Indy race. Is Indy full full? Uh, is a full length race this year? Yeah, the Indy 500 is an interesting topic because it's actually part of what the series called Road Warriors. Yeah, actually, Mike, I was still on the NIS, but the Brickyard 400, I was wondering if that was full full length. It is. That might be one of the six. I don't recall. It is. I see right here, 160 laps. Great, great. Yeah, so anyways, uh, let's transition on to the Indy 500. So, Mike, what were you saying about that? Well, that's a fi- that's a full-length length race, right? You know, and, and to win that one, that's a big one, too. Yeah, you guys got the uh, strategy. Well, who's racing the Indy 500 besides myself? I'll be in it. I'll be in here. Yeah, we're all going to do it. All right, so we're all going to do it. Yeah, for for me last year I finished second. It was a lower split, you know, but uh, I just used the default setup and and used a strategy that I saw Matthew Moose use on YouTube for the 2013 Indy 500. Um, and his strategy was to ride in the back until until a lot of people wrecked out and then he raced and to me that actually worked so what kind of strategy are you going to use this year mike i'm going to do the road course strategy where you go backwards on your fuel stops from the end and pit when the windows open if it's green or caution so you're going to be staying out a lot then well i don't know we'll see uh how the cautions play i haven't run indy cars in a long time so uh, it'll just be a, a finish for me it will be what I'm looking for because we're in the road. Uh, three of us in this discussion are in the road warrior series and have run all the events so far. And I'm just looking to really score points for that series, uh, more than anything. Okay. Anyone else have any strategies that they're going to use for the 8500? I just plan on, uh, you know, making the car work well in traffic compared to out front. And that's what I did last year, and it seemed to work. Got me up to second until I made a mistake. 
So I decided why not try it again. Good. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be staying in the back mainly because I've run the IndyCar very little on iRacing, and it's it's a completely different animal compared to the NASCAR cars that I normally run. So I'll just be looking for a finish. Yeah, actually, I was uh, pitting twice every cush, and I would come in a second time around again. Um, but uh, with this car, the DW12, um, the arrow push on it is so bad, and coming turn one. It's so bad. It, it it just brings you into that wall. So that's that's the area to really watch out for. Um, Mike and Carlos, I know you guys ran the 24 Hours of Daytona. Um, I did myself, but I was with a different team. Um, can you guys uh, talk a little bit about your experience? I believe you ran HPD in that race. Yes, we did. Um, you know biggest issue with those faster cars is you gotta watch out for the GT3 which are I don't know about three four seconds slower a lap and I don't know we it's a long race we had so many drivers you know we had to keep switching out and we unfortunately we got damage done to the car which really really slowed the pace down to the fact or to the point where uh, GT3 cars were passing us so that's one of those races you gotta make sure to keep your nose clean. Oh yeah, it's everything to keep the car clean in, in those long races. And boy, what a experience it was to do this team racing. Um, we actually did better in the uh, roar before 24, uh, the first 24-hour race they hosted in iRacing. We actually won our class and our, our split. So uh, I'm very proud of that win. And uh, what went into that, that was a huge team effort of organizing, you know, uh, seven uh, drivers and, and having a schedule and, and having a manager. And, and it, there's a lot that goes into trying to, to put together one of these efforts. So, Yeah, there is. Uh, there is something a little bit controversial, though, about these team racing. And that is where a guy who who is like really good and has a high I rating or a group of guys and they would have their uh, very low I rating guy start off the race to get into a lower split so they can win. Um, and with the 24 hours Daytona, um, and Mike, you know this because you won this out of the roar, they were giving away the 50 I racing credits for a win. So... Uh, are you happy that they stopped doing that after 24, though? Well, I don't know that they've fixed this loophole or not. Uh, I I certainly ex witnessed it happening uh, in both 24-hour races I've been in so far. There were absolutely people playing the game here and doing exactly what you said uh, to try to game the system. Uh, I don't agree with it. I don't think it, it's very sportsmanlike to do that. Uh, so, you know, we could have done that as a team. We had a guy that has the lowest I rating on our team. We could have, you know, used that to our advantage, but we didn't. We purposely didn't because we want to have good sportsmanship. Yeah, I just don't see the point in trying to do that. You know, what? just what's the point of trying to cheat the system? It's not as fun. Right, but yeah, one of the reasons why I think they did that, though, was because for the 24-hour Daytona, they were giving away that $50, $50 I racing credit. 
oh, that's why those teams were going after it because there's money involved. And, and everyone knows when there's money involved, the race, everyone races differently. Yeah. Uh, for my team, um, we ran the HPD. And for the first uh, 12 hours, we did uh, pretty good. We kept the car clean. We were actually running in uh, third place at the time. And we handed it off to uh, one of our younger folks who uh, likes to drive fast and promptly put it in the wall. And uh, then we ran slower than the GT3 cars the rest of the way and just uh, finished uh, not very well. I think uh, out of the 11 HPDs, I think we finished seventh. So, and that's a real dynamic of team racing is don't be the guy who wrecks the car and ruins it for everybody else. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I tell you, that was it's when you're team racing like that, you get so nervous and you're like shaking. I remember Jose on our on our last one, the Sebring. Jose started the car and he was just he he was so nervous. <laughs> you know, right since that. Jose, yeah, you remember that when you started that car and, and uh, uh, got it started off? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, prior to the Sebring, I was in, in the Daytona 24 as well with the guys, and I was one of the ones that ended up wrecking the car um, in Daytona um, by idiocy of my own, uh, a mistake that I made. I did not want to commit that mistake again, especially starting the race in Sebring. So, yes, I was extremely nervous, uh, jittery. Um, I was not as fast as I normally would be, um, all because I wanted to make sure I handed my car cleanly to my partners. Um, I accomplished that several times, ended up with a very good run in Sebring, um, but my whole concern throughout the whole race was keep that car clean and give it to my partners with a good racing car. Yeah, I think that is one of the, one of the greatest accomplishments that iRacing has done uh, for us over the past year was the team racing and just brings a whole new dynamic to racing and and the pressure on people to pass over that car is just to me it's wonderful well and i think it's gotten a, a lot of more people involved i'm an oval racer i don't run road races and the only reason i've run road races this year is because of this series and because of team racing and it's actually a lot of fun i really enjoy these longer uh, format races Yep, because we can be laps down or whatever, and for some reason it's still fun just because we have, you know, we're all our teammates and all that. We can all talk to each other about everything, and it's just really fun team experience. Yeah, I think everyone had a good experience in the 24 hours of Daytona and the 12 hours of Sebring. And so our next one is the Indy 500, which we talked about, and then after that we got uh, six hours at the Glen, uh, which should be a fun race. I love that track. And uh, then next thing is make that decision. Are you going to do the HPD or are you going to do one of the GT3 cars? Well, if it's only six hours, I mean, how many are we going to, how many times are we going to change drivers? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you can, uh, you can do it with a, a couple, couple per team. So that's, uh, that's going to be a little bit different dynamic. There's going to be, there's a lot of teams out there. A lot of people have teams. And they're going to be able to split their teams up into separate smaller racing teams for this race. And so it should be, uh, I don't know, it should be a lot of fun. You know, I'm looking forward to that to that uh, race. Well, it'll certainly be easier to organize because uh, it'll probably be teams of two or three instead of teams of seven to ten. 
Yep, and I think we're looking at um, a couple more 24 hours this year. I know they got the one at Spa, and uh, and I think they're uh, hoping to have the Nubring. Isn't that? Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but uh, I think they plan on having that uh, track out in time for the last race of the season. That should be another 24-hour. Don't forget the Bathurst 1000. Oh yeah, I've been uh, personally, personally, I've been practicing uh, for that. I'm not, I'm horrible in the V8. I'm just practicing to not hit the wall coming down the mountain. <laughs> so well, if you can master the V8, probably master any car. I don't have a V8, man. I was thinking I gotta get it to try to work on that track. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a tricky car and the trickiest track. And so, but if you can survive without hitting the wall, you're going to have a very good finish because it's 161 laps. And especially if you get into a rhythm, then it's like, you know, not as hard as it seems. And that it's is not, a really great track once you get into a rhythm. It's extremely fun to drive. I but you miss the rhythm and you hit the wall. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun race. Um... What are you guys' opinion on I-rating and farming? You mean like second accounts and stuff like that, or? No, second accounts isn't really uh, farming because second accounts just it's a it's a you know brand new account. But let's say that you're uh, you know five thousand I-rating guy and you go down and race the legends a lot to move up. To try to get to six thousand or seven thousand. Right. Well, there's a lot of way of farming when it comes to the definition of farming. There's others that tend to lower their I rating to a very low state, and they are the kind get of win. drivers that exactly they're the drivers who actually qualify for a four thousand plus I rating, but yet they're running in one thousand I rating class and beating the heck out of all these slower guys just to get the win. Yeah. Well, here's kind of my opinion on farming. For example, Ty Majeski, you know, as you guys know, he's a real late model racer, and he races the super lates in the, in the late models series on here on iRacing, and he has himself an over 10,000 I rating, which I believe he is the highest. Yep. And when Ty wins, he gains like one point. If he gets wrecked out, he loses like 200. <laughs> so I personally don't have a problem with someone doing that. But then again, I have seen a guy go from 1100, just on a week 13, running legends on week 13, go from 1100 I rating to a 3000 I rating by running 72 races. Yeah. You know what? Ty Vajeski's not farming I rating. That's the series he runs. And what you're saying is like you got a, a A car guy, an NIS guy. Okay, I you know, I'm gonna farm do some farming. He goes run legends. That's what you're talking about. Exactly. And I don't think Ty, you know, is guilty of that because that's all he runs. And you know, I'd love and I said this before, I'd love to see Ty Majeski run NIS with us and see how he does. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. I would like to see uh, see Ty run anything higher, but he, he normally doesn't. That's the only thing he runs is late models and super lates, and he is very good at it. I have been in a few races with him, and, uh, you know, like a 50-lap a race at the Lanier, for example. Uh, he's got me lapped in uh, 20, 20 laps. <laughs> he's just that good. Well, talent is talent. It, it certainly will show through. I do recall last year in the NIS series, I ended up in a Sears Point race with Timmy Hill, and uh, he schooled us. I mean, he literally lapped everybody there. Oh, yeah, I've seen that firsthand. He did the same thing at Watkins Glen, and he fixed the race I did, and, yeah, flat out just destroyed everyone, and I don't know, everyone was from all different parts of the world in that race. Yeah, if you guys... uh raced against anybody else that was just above and beyond other people for example yeah for example yeah when i was first racing d-class i was in a race with uh ray fella and uh i forgot the other gentleman's name but he's also a pro driver those guys just whipped everyone i just i was amazed at their ability and how well they saved their tires and everything else and then I raced Timmy Hill in, a, in, in another national race at Iowa. So, Yeah, we've had some pros come by in the winter NIS series of, uh, league we have, uh, and they had some mixed results. Uh, I think Tyler Hudson had a, a couple starts there. Uh, but I think anyone who's a real race driver, uh, Scott Speed, um, I, earlier this year, I was running a lot of hosted stuff with uh, Bubba Wallace, who runs in the Xfinity series for Roush Racing. Uh, you know, these guys, the talent shows through in iRacing. You can tell that they're real race car drivers. And you, you even get some people that, you know, work with NASCAR teams, but they're not drivers themselves, or at least they're not pro drivers in the top series. They're, uh, let's say, like Dale Hunter Jr. Spotter. DJ Majors, I've raced him a few times in a super late model. He's one of the highest high ratings people. in the service. And he's destroyed, you know, destroyed everyone in that practice session. Yeah, TJ Majors, yeah, he's uh So what you're saying is if you know how to drive a real race car, you'll probably be pretty good in this. Yeah. I think it's just instincts from their careers and being around the sport for so long, you just pick up on stuff. Yeah, those yeah, they're just amazing. What about going the other way though? What about an i racer who's never been in a car getting in a real race situation? I mean, I, I, we've heard Michael Conti, who won the uh, championship last year, uh, he's gotten a, a couple real rides here recently. Uh, we've seen uh, Hutu, Hutu, uh, the alien on the roadside, uh, do the same thing. Yeah, and uh, why Gooden on the roadside? Right. Yeah, he's another one that uh, started off on iRacing and actually got a, a ride, and he does the, I think, um, like Indy Lights now. Well, there was an article on, on his, I don't know who the individual's name is, who actually has a K&N ride right now, and he was started iRacing. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. He's the one that's uh, sponsored by Peak, isn't he? The one that won the Peak uh, Challenge? Yeah, that's who I mentioned. Michael Conti, I believe is his name. No, 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 not, no, no. No, not Michael. It's another person that, I'm, again, I'm not familiar with his name. I can look it up if you guys want. But, uh, yeah, he, he started with iRacing and, and was able to get a ride in a pro NASCAR, K&N. I think it's in the East. He has a K&N East. 
Um, but he started with iRacing and uh, he still does iRacing, uh, but he's now a professional NASCAR driver. Yep, yep. He was one of those guys that was in that peak uh, NASCAR challenge with uh, Tyler Hudson was also in that. Because he won the, the National uh, Series, I believe, won the points for the National Series when they had that, uh, they had that uh, challenge up for grabs to be, be able to be part of it. Um, Mike um, um, Conti is actually racing Legends uh, down That's in correct. Charlotte. Right. Which I'm, I'm happy for him. I mean, it's, uh, he's a young kid, and he, he drives real well, obviously, and uh, this is one of his goals to be able to run real, real race cars. So I'm pretty happy for him that he was able to uh, accomplish what he's done. Yep, as a Jersey boy, I feel proud for the boy. <laughs> All right. Um, so my next kind of question to you guys is, is what does safety rating mean to you guys? Uh, for myself, I, I pride myself on being a clean driver, but I, I like the use of safety rating to be able to judge the drivers around me on the track. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you could see it in the relative uh, next to their name or something? That's one feature I wish iRacing would put in is be able to view other drivers' safety ratings on the track. And another thing is, I just, you know, when you get those people who crash a lot, I don't think iRacing would, I don't think they'd penalize you enough for, you know, crashing out, even though I've been on the other side of that and, you know, been wrecked many times, but still, you know, these people go in there all careless. To me, safety rating is important, but a little deceptive at times. Yeah, for for me, I think it's when you're out there racing, it would be great to have it on the relative so you kind of know a little bit about how the person races. Um, because if they have a real low safety rating, you, you kind of, you can judge. And for just just an example of today's race at Richmond, uh, the guys that I saw that were driving a little crazy, dive-bombing you, doing that kind of stuff, and also the ones that would spin themselves out of out of uh, turn four there, uh, you'd look at their safety rating, and they're in the ones. And it's it's a type of stuff when you're racing around them, you, you can almost kind of guess. But uh, it would be nice to actually know that. But then again, also, the guy that won the race today, was in the ones and so there's yeah there's advantage of being that aggressive and then there's disadvantage of being that aggressive so my personal opinion is is i would like to know it but in a way it, it in i racing doesn't mean too much and it you know yeah they no. might lose yeah so i i don't care about it I, I watch it but i don't worry about it uh i let it work itself out I worry about championship points. That's all I'm worried about. And the SR and the IR are kind of components of that. But the way I drive is the way I drive, and it, it, it works itself out. Some weeks I'll have, like, two short tracks. I'll go. I'll lose my A and go to B. But guess what? In the next two weeks, I get it back up again. So uh, in uh, early in my iRacing career, I freaked over SR, you know, I, I'd lose SR and I'd lose my mind over it. Now I've learned, you know, just let it go. Yeah, I have tend to relax a little bit about my SR as well. But uh, what I mentioned is being deceptive. 
the reason I say that is because a lot of races, we were talking earlier about being overly aggressive and um, trying to be too fast. They, they, they have a car that's too fast for them to handle. Um, most of the time, those guys that are overly aggressive and drive beyond their means are the ones that are wrecking. And they're inadvertently, unfortunately, taking out some of the other drivers in the race, um, affecting their safety rating. And that's where iRacing has a problem, that it's not distinguishing, distinguishing who is causing the wreck. It's a no-fault system. So whether you get hit in the rear or you hit somebody in the rear and take them out, both parties or more are getting the penalty points. And that's where I find the problem, because most of us here are very clean racers. Unfortunately, we get involved in other people's races, uh, wrecks affecting our safety rating. And, and that's what I mean by it being a little bit deceptive. Yeah, I hear you. It's just, uh, I know, for example, for myself, in in the NIS races I've had this year, I've, I've had terrible luck being involved in many wrecks. But I have only spun out myself twice. Lost control of my car twice throughout the, the season. And both times I didn't hit anyone else. You know, but uh, it's just, you know, you, you do end up getting other people's things. But I think on an average, though, on on average, even though I've been involved in many wrecks, you know, as of right now, I got a, like a 4.91 safety rating. And I think that kind of shows that what type of driver I am compared to if I had a 1.5. I agree. I mean, I, I, I would notice a person with a uh, you know a higher uh, safety rating than a person that is lower and be safer around a higher safety rating person um, but again i racing should look into adjusting the point systems in regards to penalty um, in my personal opinion the person that causes the penalty should get the majority uh, i mean the cost of the wreck should get the majority of the penalty uh, such as we get four x's well Make it the 4X for the person who caused it, the 2X maybe for the person who did not cause it but was involved in the... Yeah, you're saying get away from that no-fault system, right? Exactly, exactly. Because right now, I mean, we try to drive as safely as possible. Unfortunately, we can't stay away from every single wreck. And it happens in racing, granted. I mean, wrecks are going to happen. But then you have those guys that are, like I said, overly aggressive, intentional, to say, say the least. And uh, and it comes out hurting you, and that's where I have a problem with it. Yeah, that would be hard to code, though. As as a software developer, that would be awfully hard to code. You would need race stewards, I think, to be able to have someone judge on who was actually at fault. Because, as you know, if you get hit from behind, uh, it's probably the person that hits you from behind's fault. But let's say you got yourself out of control and got hit from behind, then it was your fault. So you would actually have to have someone watching the wreck to be able to hand out those incident points. Yeah, it's easy It's easy to say we want it, but it's harder to implement, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you, you definitely need an, an intelligent system to do that. Um, and who knows? I mean, with computers, way computers are, uh, you know. <laughs> exactly. That, that might be coming around. You never know. 
Yeah, and yeah. It, it could possibly be improved with the new damage model that iRacing's been working on forever, it seems like, but it could be something that could be thrown in there. Yeah, that would actually be kind of neat, I think, to to see something like that. Um, and, of course, you know, what I would love to see them do is actually, you know, when they're making up the splits or whatever, not only have your I rating, but have the safety rating be part of that or something like that, you know, like uh, added to it or, or something. You know, for example, with my 491, I get an extra 491 points on my I rating for the split. <laughs> I almost agree with you there, Alan. And, you know, something that your draw of your car number when you go into a race is too big of a factor, in my opinion. It's everything. And and like the, earlier today in Richmond race, I got a good draw. I was car number 29. Heck, I, I had to beat nobody to basically no, lose no I rating, and I gained a ton. And uh, it just means too much. And I'd love to see... Uh, the calculation, you know, of how these races get figured out and the points and everything to include SR, like you're saying, somehow into the calculation. Why not, you know? And let's make the car number uh, have less weight in these values. Well, you know what? Speaking of that, I don't think the car number really has any weight just lining you up in the grid. Um, I've noticed that no matter what number I get, whether I'm number one or number 30, if I, let's say, finish in P15 out of 30 cars, I'm going to gain one or two IR points. Um, it doesn't really matter. I've, I've noticed that, that, that the number assignment is just a gridding process. That's all it is. No, it, it, it does matter. It, uh, you know, for example, you know, if you got a high, if you're like the number one car, and you finish 15th, and the car that finishes 16th is the car number 29, you got a very good chance of losing I rating while the 29 car uh, gains I rating. That's correct. Uh, um, so the, there, 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 is the, the, there is a little bit there. In the NASCAR I racing series, since we're split and we're so close to I rating, you don't see it as much. But if you go run another type where there is a larger split in I rating, you know, for example, if I went to go run a national race with my with my I rating I have today, I'm going to have to finish in top four. Otherwise, I'm going to lose I rating. And so that's what I was talking like about with Ty Majeski here, is that he has to win just to to gain one point. Right. If he finishes second, he loses I rating. That's exactly. Because of his car number. Now it would be interesting if they did give us car numbers based on gridding and. Then you probably won't see very many people qualify. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I see. I don't run the the other series. I, I only run the NIS plus road races at times. But you're probably right. I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't only the NIS. So that's what I see in the NIS. Yeah, we're real close. Most of the time, we're real close. Uh, probably the early Saturday morning when they had less less splits is where you can see more of the disparity between I rating and a split. But otherwise, we're we're I think we're too close to actually see that have that major effect. But it, there is major effects on the points on the splits, though. And so the, it is there is advantage, at least in the in the NIS, to run a higher split. Um, one of the last things I want to mention here in the show is that uh, longtime iRacer 
Christopher Perryman uh, passed away last week. Uh, Chris was only uh, 29 years old and leaves behind a wife and three small kids. Uh, we here at iRacers Lounge and the entire iRacing community send out our deepest condolences and prayers for the family. A fund has been set up for the kids at the Fort Campbell Federal Credit Union. You can don donate by calling 1-800-821-5891. Let me repeat that. That's 1-800-821-5891. Um, I know Chris used to run in the IWCR league, and last Saturday they had a tribute for him um, where they did their actually the first four laps um, in silence and, uh, and then stopped the race for a little bit for everyone to reflect. Um, and that was a, a nice tribute. Uh, is anybody else, uh, any experiences running with Chris? Yeah, I have, I've run with Chris and, and he does run the NIS series. Uh, this was a, a shock to everybody in the community. Uh, Chris is a, a young man in his twenties. Uh, I, I don't know the cause of death. Uh, but it certainly has affected a lot of uh, teams. Uh, he used to run with Max Speed. Uh, I remember running with him there. I've run with him in the NIS series last year. Uh, his I rating, uh, 3268. So uh, he's a great driver. Uh, he was just actually last on the service. His last race was April 4th, and he finished third in his very last iRacing ra race. Uh, suit suitable for uh, how he runs. Uh, he was very fast and... Um, it's good to see the community come together, uh, much like the NASCAR community when, it, when a death happens, uh, to at least recognize and, and help out this family and, and provide prayers and, and so forth. And uh, we're certainly thinking about them. Yes, well said. All right. Anyways, I think that's going to wrap up the show. Uh, next week, uh, if you guys have any, or next month, I think we're going to do this show monthly. Uh, if you guys have any questions or any topics, you can uh, reach us through our Facebook page at iRacers Lounge, or you can send out a Twitter, which is at iRacers Lounge, um, and, uh, or you can get a hold of uh, uh, myself, Alan Pajari, or uh, Mike Ellis, and uh, send us a private message. And uh, we'll uh, read and discuss your uh, topic that you have uh, that you want us to discuss. Um, I believe uh, we're going to be on YouTube here soon, and uh, you should be able to check out our podcast on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud. Um, but uh, that would be it for our final show. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for uh, being here. I really appreciate that. Uh, and, Mike, you got anything to say to close out the show? Well, just make sure you subscribe, guys. This is the first episode. We want to get the word out there to all the iRacers. Uh, to get involved and subscribe to our podcast. And you can do that right in iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, any of your favorite podcast uh, applications. Uh, make sure to find us. And, hey, we want those questions. Uh, we want to have a mailbag segment, so please send them in. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us over on iTunes and Stitcher. See you on the track.